Hello, Grace242. Hello. My name is Iris Sage, and I will be sharing the scripture reading for today. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Merry Christmas, Kyle. Merry Christmas. Today, we're finishing our series, Name Above All Names, and we've been asking, what do you do with spills on the countertop, streak marks on windows, baby's bottoms, and runny noses? You wipe them. You wipe them. Correct. Does anyone remember what the W stands for? Very good. Yes. How about the I? Yes. And the P? How about the E? Yes, and now we're finishing with the M, which stands for Messiah. Very good. Every four years in the United States, we elect a president. This person is chosen, theoretically by the people, to be set apart to do the special work of leading our country. We choose this person to lead our country into a position of strength, prosperity for its citizens, and goodness in the world. But this hasn't always been the case. No matter who has been chosen, it seems to, we always seem to be worse off. No matter who leads us, we continue to spiral downwards. In the Bible, the word Messiah means anointed one or chosen one. Sort of like how the president is chosen. That's right. The anointed one was set apart to do the special work of leading people to be faithful to God and experience the blessings therein. For instance, God chose Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And as a chosen leader, Moses commands the people to be faithful to Yahweh and experience the blessings therein. In Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to 6, Moses says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring, your offsprings and the herds and the offsprings of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The anointed one was chosen to lead the people into greater and greater blessings of God. But this isn't what happened. Nope. Leader after leader was chosen, but the people still spiraled further and further away from God. Things started off well when God created the earth. He planted a garden, and in this garden, he placed the first two humans, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were perfectly faithful to God, serving him while tending the garden and experiencing all the blessings therein. I sense there's a but coming. But the snake convinced Adam and Eve that God wasn't good, that God was withholding blessings, that God didn't want the best for Adam and Eve. So just like the snake before them, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, bringing sin and death into the world. Adam and Eve failed their created role to worship and faithfully serve God. Instead, they succumbed to the snake. But God didn't stop loving Adam and Eve. In fact, he promises that someone in the future will come to do away with the snake. Almost as quickly as Adam and Eve give in to the snake, God promises someone who will be chosen by God to crush the snake. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will cause hostility between you, your, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Several chapters after Adam and Eve were introduced to a man named Abraham, whom God chooses for a special purpose. Only this time, God chooses Abraham not to lead the nation, but to father a nation? Yes. 
God is going to give Abraham so many kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids. Uh, I, I, I think we get the idea. Uh, right, right. Okay. So God is going to give Abraham so many children that they will be given the special task of worshiping God and faithfully serving him. Sort of like the job that was once Adam and Eve's will be given to Abraham's children? That's right. Look at what Genesis 12 verses 1 to 3 says. The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So the blessings of knowing and serving God that Adam and Eve experienced will be experienced by Abraham's family? That's correct. And then Abraham's family is to pass on those same blessings of knowing and serving God to the rest of the world, right? So that's what happens, right? No. <laughs> but there are other people that got anointed to choose, that anointed and chose to lead, right? Certainly. Abraham's family winds up enslaved in Egypt. So God chooses a man named Moses to lead the people out of slavery and into their homeland, the land of Canaan. And it's on this journey from Egypt to Canaan that God anoints Moses' brother Aaron and Aaron's sons to be priests. In Exodus 30.30, God issues this command, Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests. So Moses was chosen to be a leader. Aaron and his sons were anointed to be the priests. And the nation of Israel was chosen to pass the blessings of knowing God to the rest of the world. That's right. But, but just like Adam and Eve succumbed to the snake... Moses, Aaron, the Israelites, these anointed ones of God, they all succumbed to the snake as well. Moses stole the credit from God for giving the people water in the wilderness. Aaron incited the people to rebel against Moses. And don't forget how quickly the Israelites turned away to worship other gods. Indeed, the snake slithered its way through all of their hearts. But eventually, Israel gets to the land of Canaan. And they start asking for a king. So God gives them Saul. Right. Samuel anoints Saul as king over Israel. It's here in 1 Samuel 10.1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it over Saul's head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people of Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hands of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be the prince over his heritage. God anoints Saul as king over Israel. And Samuel's words about protecting Israel from her enemies come true. Saul, at least in the beginning, was a formidable warrior. But, but Saul's heart turned away from God and God rejects him as king. Saul also succumbs to the snake. But the next guy's looking really good. God rips the kingdom away from Saul and he gives it to a shepherd boy named David. Samuel's got his oil flask again. In 1 Samuel 13, 16 says, So... As David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought, with the, brought and anointed David with the oil. God anointed David to be the new king of Israel. God even says in Psalm 89.20, I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. And do the people experience the blessings of knowing God and worshiping him faithfully? Well, very much so. In fact, God promises that an ancestor of David will always reign from the throne. Look at what God says to David in 2 Samuel 7, 17. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So there will always be an anointed descendant of David on the throne? Yes. David's son was Solomon. Let's go back to 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 to 15. Now remember that God is promising that David will always have a descendant, an anointed one, on the throne. 
For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. So Solomon, David's son, succeeds David as king. In 1 King 1.39 says, There Zadok the priest took the flask of olive oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon with the oil. Then they sounded the ram's horn and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon. Solomon builds a house for the Lord, the temple, just like God promised to David. So David and Solomon led the people in faithfulness to God and the people experienced God's blessing and everyone lived happily ever after, right? You'd like to think so, but no. The snake again? You got it. David committed adultery with another man's wife, then had her husband murdered. At the end of David's life, some of his kids tried to seize the throne, and David passively didn't do anything about it. Furthermore, Solomon took 700 wives for himself and became enamored with power and success. I'm sensing a pattern here. You definitely are. What do you think the pattern is? All right, so God anoints someone to lead his people. Yes. That anointed one is supposed to lead the people in faithfulness to God. Correct. And in living faithfully to God, they will experience his blessings. Go on. But the anointed one and the people don't follow God. They succumb to the snake. You got it. So how do they break the pattern? Well, we're getting to that. But first, things get worse before they get better. You're kidding. I wish I were. In keeping with God's promise to David, when Solomon dies, his son Rehoboam becomes king. But Rehoboam is young and stupid, and the kingdom divides into two nations, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. So now there's a king in Israel and there's a king in Judah? Yes, but Jerusalem is in Judah, so it's Judah's king that carries the promise that God made to David. Look at Psalm 132, verses 13 and 17. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home. Here I will increase the power of David. My anointed one will be a light for my people. It's like God is saying that Jerusalem will be the forever home for his anointed one. That's right. But you were saying everything gets worse? I did. King after king gave in to the snake, and the people were led further and further away from God. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah calls the kings shepherds in Jeremiah 23 too, and the prophet rips the kings for doing the opposite of their anointing. The prophet says, Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out my judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. And God did pour out his judgment. In 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel is conquered by... Syria. That's right. Looks like all that tuition you paid to Concordia is paying off. <laughs> and in 586 BC, the southern kingdom of Judah falls to the nation of... Babylon. And didn't the people of Ju Judah get deported uh, after they were conquered? Look at you, biblical historian. Yes, many of the people were deported or exiled to Babylon. <laughs> so, so what about the promise to David that he would always have an ancestor on the throne? What about the chosen nation that God promised to Abraham? What about the homeland of Canaan that Moses led the Israelites to? What about being faithful to God and experiencing his blessings like Adam and Eve were created for? Those are the same questions the Jews are asking as they trudge their way to Babylon. And what about the anointed one in Isaiah? In Isaiah 61, the prophet says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, 
For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent, to tell me, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. God promises an anointed one will, be set, will set the captives free, and the people are marching off to captivity in Babylon. That's because Isaiah speaks of an anointed one yet to come. I got it. It's King Cyrus of Persia. The Persians conquered the Babylonians, and King Cyrus let the Jews return to their homeland of Judea. Look at how God addresses King Cyrus in Isaiah 45.1. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. It's Cyrus, isn't it? Cyrus was anointed by God to let the people return, yes. But Cyrus is not the anointed one who will set the captives free and crush the snake. Then it's Zerubbabel, isn't it? When, the kings, when King Cyrus let the Jews return to Judea, Zerubbabel was appointed as the governor of the people, and he led the reconstruction process of the temple. God even says that he chose Zerubbabel for work in leading the people. Look in Haggai 2.23. But when this happens, he says to the Lord of heaven's armies, I will honor you, Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, my servant. I will make you, I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, the, says the Lord, for I have chosen you. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Zerubbabel was a descendant of David, and he was indeed chosen by God to lead the people in the temple rebuilding. But he was not the anointed one. So all these people, Abraham, Moses, David, Zerubbabel, were all anointed by God? Yes, they were all chosen by God for his purposes. But they all gave in to the snake. Yes, and they weren't the only ones who give in to the snake. We all give in to the snake. We all rebel against God. We all spread death. So then who is, pr who is the promised anointed one? Who is going to get rid of this snake? Read Matthew 1.16 and you tell me. Jacob was the father of Joseph and the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. The anointed one is Jesus. He is the one who will crush the snake. Indeed. Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Jesus is the one who was chosen by God and born in the David's line. You got it. Look at what Paul says in the opener of his letter to the Romans. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the anointed one that Isaiah talks about, the one who will bring good news, who will set captives free, who will comfort the brokenhearted, who will free prisoners, that anointed one is Jesus. You got it. So that's why Jesus is called Messiah, because he has been anointed by God and set apart to save and restore humanity. I think you're understanding why Jesus is named Messiah. So we're to follow him? Yes. Look at what Andrew, the brother of Peter, does as soon as he learns that Jesus is the Messiah. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Andrew learned Jesus was the Messiah and immediately followed him. And just like Andrew, we are to give our lives to God's anointed one, his only begotten son, Jesus our Messiah. 